As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Get your popcorn ready. It's game time, baby. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome a team that is known as Stoppers. Stoppers. The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. Every single play, go take it. Bring that juice. Let's go get it. Come on. Chicago's best Bears coverage. Go Bears. Go Bears. From NBC Sports Chicago, it's Adam Hogue. The Bears angst in general. Everybody's like angry about it, I feel like. Just relax. And from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. This is just how it is. It's a range of emotions. It's a range of feelings and hot takes. Here they are. Fiery, feisty, and frequently ill. The Adams, Hogan Johns. What's up? Welcome in, Hogue and Johns, with you in what feels like our real first off-season episode as we roll into 2021 and a defensive coordinator search. At least right now, that seems like the headline. What's up, Johnsy? What's up, Adam? You know, technically, it's not the off-season because the 2020 season still. I'm going. The NFC AFC Championship games are this week. The Senior Bowl is coming up. The, the reason I say this is because I once made a mistake on my way to the Senior Bowl, running into John Fox at one of the airport bars at, o- at O'Hare. And I go, oh, how's your offseason going, Adam? And he goes to me, Adam, it's not the offseason. Games are still being played. And all his assistant coaches gave me looks and ah, just something to think about since we can't travel and the Senior Bowl is coming up. It's not the offseason yet. It's still the 2020 season. John Fox would scold you. Okay. Someone needed to tell John that his team was in the playoffs. I think they went like five. That was their five-win season. I remember. I, I can't remember which season it was, but yes. It would have been great if you just looked right at him and were like, John, your season, your season is over. You need to accept it. Let me buy you a beer. Was that the year he was coaching the Senior Bowl? No, it was not. Okay. So it would have to be his first year. I guess, yes. The memories, all the memories of airport travel and running into Bears personnel at O'Hare. Right. Um, All right. Well, uh, it would actually, this would be a good year to be at the Senior Bowl. Mac Jones is going to be there. A lot of Devonta Smith's going to be there. It's going to be. The running back's going too, right? Alabama's running back? Yeah. There's a ton of talent down there. Um, Jim Nagy's doing a great job of securing players because a lot. Usually guys like that they don't they just skip the senior bowl. So um but weird times and I can't even keep track of who is a senior and who's not a senior anymore because everybody <laughs> has eligibility, it seems like. And uh but we are getting into that spot where it is uh sort of draft time. Anyway, we're not gonna talk about the draft today. We're gonna talk about some defensive coordinator stuff, uh big picture stuff with the Bears roster, and Kevin Fishbane is here for the entire episode. What's up, Kevin? What's up, guys? You know, sometimes I long for 2015, the season, <laughs> because I was thinking about this recently because we've had, like, two really, like, frustrating seasons to cover. They've been very, you know, they've been challenging in different ways. 2015, you had a brand new staff. You had a lot of new players. Like, there were no expectations They had a bunch of road wins, and road wins are like really fun to cover because there's not many of us out there, and the players, everyone's in a good mood on the flight. It it just, 
I don't know. 2015, we went to San Diego that year. That they was that, a good trip. They had that crazy win over the Rams and Nick Foles where Cutler went off. Like there was some, there was some, uh, and then you had that little spurt at the end of the season. They beat Green Bay on Thanksgiving, and then you had the, oh, the homecoming the, game. Yeah, yeah, he had the battle. So sometimes, like a season, like I'm not saying 2015 is what you 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 long for as a reporter. They went six and ten, but you know, some in a season like this, I'm like, huh, that 2015 wasn't so bad. Adam, you heard it here. Kevin Fishbane wants John Fox back. Well, I was gonna say I can come up with four reasons right off the top of my head why I do not want that to happen. One is daily John Fox press conferences again. No, thank you. Weekly, weekly Adam Gase press conferences. This was before Adam Gase was like. The most ridiculed coach on uh, Twitter. Well, that was the year that made him a head coach. Yeah, Cutler he, at his he best. He fixed at, Cuddy. Yeah, he, he fixed he, Cuddy, even though he didn't. He did not. But that was the thing that happened. Um, what were the other reasons I could think of? Well, one is this, this is a secret. Covering an eight and eight team is actually really good for, I mean, media purposes. You get they're not bad, but you get. Oh, like they're teasing the fans, right? See, I, I mean, it's horrible. I, it's horrible, but it is, everybody's invested the whole season. You, you're forgetting, like when people were checking out November and December. Well, no, and that's why that that six and ten season because like people were checking out, but they weren't like there was still some uh, hope. Like there was still some young guys you were interested in. It was the first year of the whole entire regime, so you weren't like they were like, okay, we get it. You're allowed to go six and ten. And we're going to get really excited about Kevin White. <laughs> Another reason, if we're back in 2015, it means that 2020 is coming again. And I don't want to relive that. That's true. All right. All right. Or really 2016 to 2020, if we're being th- completely I, honest. I think the whole point is I just got to take a vacation to San Diego uh, when this thing's all done. I think that's what I've learned from this, this spiel. I mean, you could have gone to the Holiday Bowl. It's true. Not it's this true. year, but Should've. when Northwestern played in it. Um, and Jalen Johnson played in it for Utah. All right. Anyway, follow us on Twitter. Here, uh, here we go. Adam Hogue, Adam Johns, at Fishbane, And uh, we got a lot of content to talk about. These two have been breaking all kinds of stories on The Athletic. And First, let's talk about the defense coordinator stuff. Then Kevin had a big cat piece that came out. I have my big roster review. We're going to kind of merge them together. And Salary cap, not Dave Kaplan. I was going to say, did you have a cat? I thought you said cat. And not not Northwestern cat Wildcats. Piece? Cat cap. piece. Salary cap. You did have a big cat piece this year, though. I did have a big cat piece this year. On the Northwestern yeah. Michigan game. Yeah. That was a good but piece. He still has that pinned to the top of his Twitter profile, I believe. I think it's framed in his background right now as I look at him on Zoom. Can you frame an online story? No. Print it out. But I will tell you that my wife... Uh, for my birthday, she got like this little bound book of a couple of my my favorite stories I've written, and that was that was in there. That's cool. That was pretty cool. I have a I don't know if this will work, and I have a Mike Glennon frames. Oh, look at that story on my wall. Because that was the first time the Hogan Johns podcast was on was in the Sun Times. That's pretty cool. But well, it is cool except for Mike Glennon's on my wall forever. It might as well be a picture of you, Kevin. <laughs> I could get you one of those. <laughs> I'll frame a picture of you. That's fine. Um, all right. Well, let's get going here. Since you guys are breaking all the news, what is going on with the Bears defensive coordinator search? Because I'm the guy that was working on roster stuff yesterday, mostly paying attention to the inauguration, and then randomly seeing stories on the same day that the Bears lost Jay Rogers, which is a huge loss to the defensive line, but interviewed Mike Singletary. So just based on that, this search doesn't seem to be going so well. <laughs> well, it's different than 2018. It'll be 20, 2019 when Chuck Pagano was hired. Remember how fast that was? It was like 48 hours. It was 48 hours, two days. Vic took the job on Wednesday. Pagano was hired Friday. Exactly. Wow, look at your memory. Impressive. Must be that Sigmatic tea. Coffee. Mushroom it is. coffee. It is. Look at that. There's the ad right there. That. There's the ad right there. Boom. We're good at this. We're good at this. Um, <laughs> this is. It's different. We're what 10, 11 days removed from the season now. You're checking your watch. Well, a tweet came in, and I was just making. You don't know what's gonna 
break yeah. at any moment here? It is, is it, how far are we moved from the season? Over at least 12 days, 13 oh, days, whatever. A little over a week and a half. Okay. Okay. So you've had uh, at least three or four interviews that, that we know of, and it's just it's a different process. I think the Bears' defense is different. I think the Bears are viewed differently. I think they got a bunch of talent. Um, I like that they're getting a range of opinions, uh, which is different than the, the all-out effort to get Chuck Pagano. Um, and I think people want to know about if, – if you're a defensive coordinator, you want to know about the, the stability of the Bears' situation with Matt Nagy as coach. Do you not? It's different than it was two years ago. Well, okay, I'm glad you said that last part because I also think that is a factor here. The job isn't as desirable as it was. That's what I was getting to, yes. Okay. So I think they're struggling to fill it. Mm. At least, I think that's at least part of the equation. Yeah. I don't know. I think you could hire a guy like James Petcher anytime you want, though, right? Well, yeah, let me clarify. The guy was out of the league, yes. Let me clarify. They're not struggling to fill it like they can't get anybody to accept the job. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is the pool of candidates is not as. abundant or as strong maybe that's the way to put it as maybe two years ago is that fair it is fair although I, there was a debate back a couple of years ago whether or not Chuck Pagano was the right move you don't remember that like no I do I was part yeah. of it I felt yeah. like it honestly I felt like it was rushed yeah and 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 I think the thing that we lost I remember writing and talking about it at the time and then I, I think we kind of got away from it while he was the coordinator he was only the DC for one. He was only calling the defense for one year uh, in Baltimore before he became the Colts head coach. So, yes, long uh, career in football and knows defense, but he actually wasn't that established as a defensive coordinator in the NFL. Well, if I could use this opportunity to ridicule the that press conference from last week that the Bears had. Um, Again, okay. I, have I we think got the quarterback situation completely right. No, have we won enough games? No, everything else is there. I mean, look, they're collaborating on this decision, so that's that's exciting. Um, but this is what I was talking about last week. Give us something. Tell us something that you're doing that's different. So clearly, this search is different. We can tell. But, like, why didn't they say, hey, what, for example, next week, we're not going to make this defensive coordinator decision in 24 hours. We're looking for X, Y, and Z this time. Last time it was different. I understand there's competitive reasons you don't want to give that away. But, like, again, nobody nobody knew what their plan is. And the problem is that's okay for other teams, but nobody trusts the Bears to make the right call. So, you know, that's why, again, from a PR standpoint, you look at the list, you see the Singletary thing. A lot of people scoff at that. You see James Betcher, and it's like, well, he was out of the league last year. The Giants' defenses weren't very good. Um, you know, what's interesting is Jonathan Gannon, who was a guy, I mean, frankly, I, I didn't really know much about him until this week. Uh, he's highly sought after. Uh, and, you know, my question is, does Matt Nagy want someone like Betcher who he could just say, hey, take the defense. It's all yours. You've done this before. I trust you. Go do your thing. I have an offense to fix again. Or is he willing to take a chance on someone who's never run a defense before and that might maybe want more of Nagy's input? Maybe Nagy wants to have more input in the defense. I, I, again, I'm not sure. We won't, we won't know until we hear from Nagy, which might not be until the combine. Um, but again, I, I, we just don't know kind of what what they're looking for. And John Z, that defensive coordinator candidate list you and I put together, and we've seen, I mean, everybody put together these lists. I think Betcher's the only one on that list that they've talked to, for, as far as we know. There was a, there's a lot of veteran... They put in a slip for George Edwards, but we haven't heard anything since then. So I think it's also kind of interesting that they're not... It doesn't seem like they're talking to some of the guys that we kind of assumed that they would talk to. So it's 10 o'clock, almost 10 o'clock, on Thursday morning. So this could be different tonight. This could be different this weekend. Um, of course, such hirings are fluid. But, Kevin, you bring up a good point about how different this is. I, I don't mind them talking to Mike Singletary and hearing what a Hall of Fame linebacker thinks of their defense. I don't mind asking a young guy, Jonathan Gannon, what he thinks the problems were with the defense. I, I, I want different opinions. They invested a lot of, a lot of money in this, in this defense and it underachieved last year. 
significantly underachieved. I would I would use that word significantly. Get more opinions. Don't just go for the, the the hot name, the guy you like, and Chuck Pagano. Forty eight hours later, get more opinions. Do your research, and like, what, what do you think about this point? I think the Bears are are they're trying to learn from the Brandon Staley situation. Like this was a guy who was in your building, who is now a head coach in the NFL. Like his his career has just skyrocketed. Like what did we miss? What didn't we see? This young coach who worked with our outside linebackers, Khalil Mack, Leonard Floyd, went with Fangio to Denver, became a defensive coordinator in L.A. Now he's the Chargers head coach. Like, what did we miss there? The Bears have to consider this when looking at younger candidates. Do your research. And he's also, Brandon Staley's also a case of why whoever they end up with, you know, if it's a, if it's a name that you, you know, are not terribly familiar with, like Jonathan Gannon, who, by the way, uh, as we're recording, Rapshi just reported that he's interviewing for the DC job with the Chargers on Brandon Staley's staff. So, so what job is Jay Rogers getting out there? That's what's I don't know. I, that that's up in the air right now. But by the way, which one of you, uh, Mike, uh, Mike Singletary's one wins as a high school coach was your favorite? Hey, you go one in one in twenty one is different, but I know what you're saying. Yeah, I yeah, would yeah. think though that Mike yeah. Singletary could could get the worst high school. I mean, have you guys seen Friday Night Lights? Yes. I mean, Kyle Chandler was able to turn you know the East Dillon school that no one even knew existed for a couple seasons into the team that could beat West Dillon. Are we really talking about Friday Night Lights here? <laughs> Just having some fun. We got we got to keep. Gotta I know, I know, I know. But this does bring up okay. So, one, Brandon Staley is an example. The guy came from John Carroll. I mean, now he came in as a position coach, so I don't think any of us were like, wait wait a minute, they hired a D3 coach to coach in the NFL? Um, but that's a good, good example of if there's a guy who maybe you're thinking outside the box, sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Like when you hire a Canadian football league coach to be your head coach. But you, I guess you never know. Um, let's talk about though the viability. Like for instance, if you're Jay Rogers, and I guess at this time we're recording, we don't know what position he's taking on Brandon Staley's staff. He's been here in Chicago for a while. I think he liked being a coach here in Chicago. I think he liked the stability that he had being. I mean, that's a, how many years was he here? Six, yeah, six seasons. That's a pretty good run as a position coach in the NFL in one spot. You know, he saw the news conference last week. He's not an idiot with what's going on. And Brandon Staley just got a new job in Los Angeles with a team with, by the way, pretty talented on the defensive side I of the ball. I would say very talented on both sides. You get Joey quarterback Bosa? like that, yeah. If they're still interviewing defensive coordinators, that makes it seem like he's probably not going to be Brandon Staley's defensive coordinator this could just be, end up being basically a lateral move from the Bears to the Chargers. I think that says a lot of how the jobs or this situation right now is being viewed around the league. Or he wasn't offered the defensive coordinator position that maybe he wanted, and then he wanted out. Didn't get the promotion he wanted. Okay, I'm out. Just a thought. No, I think that's part of it, but... Yeah. You know, his contract's up, and he can either keep the same job that I think he did enjoy. He yeah. has a lot of talented players here, too. Um, I guess what I'm saying is I don't blame him, though, for, for leaving and going down to the Chargers situation. It's hard to be a position coach for that long for multiple regimes. I mean, it says a lot about him and what he's able to do. Uh, but, he, yeah, as Johnsy said, I mean, he probably sees the right in the wall. He sees the situation. I would hope... He's getting a raise, and if he's a defensive line coach, I would hope there's a sup- another title there for him. He deserves it, um, and and yeah, now that you know whoever comes in's got to find a new defensive line coach. Uh, I, I do caution the idea that like I don't I don't think this is. Let's also go back two years ago, guys. Like I remember writing about Brandon Staley as an option uh, for the Bears, and, and I remember I phrased it as an out of the box option. Like I think we all. We're around Staley enough to know that 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 he was he was very sharp. 
He did really good work with that group. Um, but we all know that people would have ridiculed that at the time. You know, that, that, that Nagy was going from Vic Fangio to Brandon Staley. Like, it looks good in hindsight. Uh, so just keep that in mind as the Bears uh, make the move. I will also note, we all screwed this up by not growing up in Northeast Ohio. Because if you want to be a coach in the NFL, that's where you, I mean, I'm just looking at the recent coaching hires. Brandon Staley and Jonathan Gannon, they go way back. They both grew up near Cleveland. Josh McDaniels, same situation. Nick Casario out there too. They all grew up out there. A couple of them went to John Carroll. Listen, if you're a white guy growing up in Northeast Ohio and you're a quarterback in high school, you got a real good chance to be an NFL coach one day based on that rudimentary research. Okay. Uh, Don't you have to be an Ohio State fan then? Because I can't roll that way. I mean... I know Johns can't, but... Yeah, you know, you don't have to be. Okay. But, uh, you know, look, good. For, it's good for Brandon Staley. It's good for Jay Rogers. And uh, I think I think we've, we've seen that the Bears, you know, we don't know if Jay Rogers interviewed, do we, for the Bears job technically? So we don't know the situation there. I, I would I, hope he did. I would hope so, too. Uh, I would hope so, too. But, you know, it's... Uh, Look, I think I think we know also that if Jay Rogers had got the, the job, I think a lot of Bears fans would have been really excited, but nobody would have known how good he would have been at that at that job. So same thing with a lot of things. Yeah, like same thing with Brandon Staley, same thing with you know, at the time or Sean Desai right now. Right? But I don't know. I guess we're just gonna have to wait and see how it plays out. I do agree though that taking their time and being deliberate with this, even if it's partly caused by how attractive the job might be at this very moment, it's it's a good thing that they're you know they're not rushing it or just promoting somebody from within. However, we do need to at least acknowledge the fact that losing Jay Rogers is a big loss. And the guy, at least in my opinion, has been the best position coach the Bears have had for a while. So you don't necessarily just promote somebody to a higher job because he's good at the job he's doing now. But we also need to – I mean, it's still a big loss. Like, that's still – it's still a, another weakness now that they have to fill. I do wonder how much Matt Nagy's overall vision for this team perhaps is coming into play. Like, maybe he's looking for something specifically. Maybe Chuck Pagano's defense was too passive. Maybe he wants to, to really ramp up the pressure. I don't know, double-A gap, blitz, whatever. Like so, something different. And maybe Rodgers didn't provide that in his interviews. Maybe Sean Desai won't provide the same. It's just it's interesting since this is like almost like Matt Nagy's last stand and this is a big hire for him. Like, What vision does he have for the entire team and what role does the defense have in it? One more thing, too, because I know it's been sort of put out there that based on some of the people they've interviewed, are the Bears going to go back to a 4-3? I just want to point out, they basically already are a 4-3. They're in sub so much. The difference when the Bear, between when the Bears switched from a 4-3 to a 3-4 back when John Fox was, was hired uh, and Vic Fangio came in, there was a more significant difference between the two schemes than, than there is now. These teams are playing base so much, and if you really watch what the Bears were doing, I mean, Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn were already basically defensive ends rather than outside linebackers. I mean, that position is basically now just edge rusher, and you better be able to stand up. You better be able to put your hand on the ground. That's just the the position now, And, and so... I don't know if technically the base changes to a 4-3. I just want to point out there is not that big of a difference if that ends up happening, and I'm not even sure it is. It's just, In fact, it actually makes it easier to interview some of these coordinators because you can look at both and you don't have to be like, oh, no, I only want to be a 3-4 team, so we're only going to talk to 3-4 defensive coordinators. Fair point. All right. 100% uh, true. <laughs> Interesting tweets that are just coming across right now. We'll just only touch on this for a couple minutes, I promise. But Lewis Riddick has been commenting on Deshaun Watson 
a little bit. Uh, someone said he should go to the Bears. And Lewis Riddick did a bunch of emojis. Bear down with a little, like, what, what do you call that emoji? Like the hint when you're thinking? The thinking emoji? Oh, the, the guy holding his chin? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then I use Matt, that one a lot, yeah. Matt Miller said, I can't see Watson waiving his no trade for a team that didn't even talk to him pre-draft when the same regime and leadership is there. Lewis Riddick responded, Matt Nagy wasn't in Chicago when he came out. He was still in Kansas City. This isn't just Pace's show anymore. Also, they, they did talk to him before the draft. but Right, briefly. We know that. But, I mean, that's an interesting tweet from a guy that knows Matt Nagy well. Um, I well, think did you see the interaction uh, between Nagy and Watson before they played? Like, there was conversations even after the game, like... There's some type of relationship that probably was established along the, the pre-draft process that year. Just so something to it, think about. This is exactly what I want to discuss, just briefly, because we don't have to go into a huge Deshaun Watson thing. But I've heard this talked about a little bit on the radio the last couple of days. I just think the idea that Watson doesn't want to be a bear because of what happened four years ago in the pre-draft process is very short-sighted. Ignoring what you just said about Nagy, which is a very important point. I'm just thinking about it from a human nature perspective. If a team that didn't want me or didn't look at me enough, four years later came crawling back, basically saying, we made a mistake. We really, really need you. I'm not so sure my reaction would be like, okay. I mean, I guess it depends. You you could look at it and be like, no, I'm good, you know, and be petty about it. Or you can be like, all right, you know, I was. This still proves I was good, and now you're now you're trading all these draft picks for me. Like it's it's still kind of flattering. So I just I I, I don't, I, and also I don't think Deshaun Watson's the guy who'd just be completely petty about it either. Then you bring in the Matt Nagy part of it. You bring up a good point, John's that there seems to be maybe a relationship there. Vision for the offense, things things are different. I would just think that it, from Watson's side of it, it's very dumb to just cross the Bears off the list. Yeah, I, I think they're very much. I think Watson would consider coming to Chicago. Absolutely. If I'm the Bears, my selling point is your coach at Clemson called you Michael Jordan. Why not go to the town of Michael Jordan? Join one of the founding franchises, which has never had a franchise quarterback, and change history. I don't know. That, that's what I would say. Seems pretty attractive to me. I, I don't. Plus, Houston probably like the three first-round picks they're getting in return. But if I'm Deshaun Watson, I, I don't know. I could be sold on that. I could think of a lot of reasons Deshaun Watson would not want to be a Bear besides the that they didn't draft him. But as John Z points out. Deshaun Watson can roll out of bed and be the greatest quarterback in the history of the charter franchise in the NFL. So I used to say that about Northwestern basketball. I used to think that like they a, a good recruiting pitch should be, hey, come here and you can be the greatest player in the history of the school and take us to heights we've never seen before. Um, yeah, I mean, like that that'd be a nice pitch, Deshaun Watson. Like, hey, look at our quarterback record books. Jay Cutler leads every single record. And we've never had a guy throw for four thousand yards. And and you get Darnell Mooney. <laughs> we're only laughing, everybody, because uh, of the press funny. conference. That yeah, was funny. Yes, yes, he is a good player, but we're only laughing. He's a of the very press good player, and he's got a very good future. And George McCaskey put the future of the franchise on his shoulders. I think we haven't won enough under the leadership of George McCaskey, and that's what we're working on. Um. Okay, I just wanted to put that out there. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Okay, so we're going to, I don't know if we call this a game, but we're going to try to. We're going to fix the bears again, Adam. Yeah, we, we, you know, this is, this is part of the show. What this we is do. what we do here on the Hogan Johns podcast. We're constantly trying to fix a broken team. Well, Kevin had a uh, long and really good piece on the salary cap situation. So Kevin's going to be our capologist. How about that? And then I guess, I, I don't know, I'm the director of personnel because I broke down the whole roster and I don't know what you're going to be Adam Johns you're going to be like Jack Easterby here (laughs) (laughs) no one really knows what you're what you do but you're here he's the podcast chaplain (laughs) yeah (laughs) Uh, I got all sorts of jokes now but I'm not going to go there uh, maybe I will in a couple minutes here, but would you rather right, be the Jack? I'll East- play the role of evil deterrent. <laughs> would you rather be the Jack Easterby or the Ted Phillips of the? Ooh. <laughs> um, I think you got. I think you got to go with Ted. Yeah, I think you got to go Ted Phillips. Ted Phillips. There's, yes. there's job security that anybody would covet. Yes, <laughs> I I agree. I would also go Ted. Have we gotten the quarterback situation completely right? No. Have we won enough games? No. Everything else is there. All right, so I'll act as the president that needs to give you approval. Okay. Um, well, but here's what here's in case you're missing, you should check these out. Uh, Kevin's piece is up on the Athletic, and if you happen to be listening on the Athletic app, you can pull it up right now. Um, even if you're not listening on the Athletic app, I guess you can pull it up right now on that app, and uh, it's a very detailed breakdown of the cap situation, and then. My, uh, you you hear you've heard me mention many times on this podcast over the years my, the grades I keep uh, throughout the season, and I don't usually put them out publicly, but I don't know for some reason I did this time. So they're all out there on NBCSportsChicago.com. Uh, ratings on every and analysis on every single one of the Bears players this year, and kind of breaking them into tiers sort of determining who you should be giving extensions to and who you shouldn't be. And so what I want to do is kind of take the evaluation and compare it to the cap situation and perhaps some of the takeaways that, I don't know, you guys might have on what the Bears should do with some difficult decisions they might have this offseason. Let's do it. So uh, I guess where should we start? I mean... Can't do much with Khalil Mack. He's, I guess the good thing is in both of our pieces, it matches up. Khalil Mack is the highest rated player on the team in my piece. And in Kevin's breakdown, he has the highest cap um, percentage going into 2021. So I guess that's a good thing. Your best player should have the most money allocated towards the salary cap. Uh, no arguments there. I guess we can go to Kyle Fuller then because he has, correct Kevin, he has the second highest cap charge in 2021. He also has the second highest cap charge among all cornerbacks in 2021 in the league. So both of those seem a little off, right? He's not the second best cornerback in the NFL. And if you go to my evaluation, so I... I have blue chip players at the top. I mean, those are the guys that are the, among the best players in the entire league, like Khalil Mack is. Then I have long-term starters. They're the guys that play at a starting level. They win games for you. And because of that, you want to lock them up to long-term extensions because they're players you cannot afford to lose. The next level down are players who are good enough to start on a championship team, but they're players that you could essentially afford to lose based on some tough decisions that might have to be made against the cap. One example I provided in my piece, Adrian Amos a couple years ago. Good player, starter level, Packers wanted to pay a lot more, and so you could afford to let him go. He was somebody you could find a way to replace. The problem here is that's where Kyle Fuller comes in 
on his 2020 season. And I didn't release these grades last year, but he was actually in the spot last year as well in 2019. So um, it points to sort of a tough situation because it, it I, I guess if we're being fair, you're kind of overpaying for him right now. Is this where Ted Phillips comes in? Ted, why are you overpaying for Kyle Fuller? Don't meddle. Mm, I'm going to meddle. <laughs> I can't resist. Um, going to meddle. Here we go. We're going to meddle. Um, yeah, $20 million cap hit. What, that's the cap hit, right, Kev? Over yep. that? Yep. Um, that is too much for a, a cornerback who only had one interception this season. Uh, I and it would came in be, the first game of the season. It did. I'd be willing to entertain a potential extension. For how long? I don't want to go past a couple of years. He is a young player. He's not even 30 yet. So there is potential for good seasons ahead. But but here, here's my predicament. What does my next defensive coordinator want? Does he want uh, a cornerback who doesn't like to play press man coverage? Does he want a cornerback who likes to be, to be off more? I don't know. It's a tough decision. Let's see what my next DC says. You know, so what happened with this contract was, I don't remember what year it was when they restructured him, but they essentially added these two voidable years on mm-hmm. in 2022 and 2023. Um, and by doing that, they put all the cap hit in 2021. So uh, what I'm bringing that up to say is that Joey Lane, who you know is the salary cap guy for the Bears, they knew this was coming. They've known this is coming for two years now. So, you know, as Johnsy said, a lot of this depends on, on the next D.C., but you would imagine that in the front office, they've had thoughts, they've had discussions, they've had plans for a while. But if Fuller does this, this is how we're going to do it. In that piece, um, Brad Spielberger of Pro Football Focus created kind of an extension if the Bears want to go that route. Um, I, I think I think it's very interesting. I think Kyle Fuller is the most tradable player on this team. Agreed. And you know what you would do is another team would probably sign him to a new contract, so they don't have to deal with a twenty million dollar cap hit. But you look at his age, you look at what he's done in this league, um, you look at his durability outside that mysterious twenty sixteen season. Um, I, I think, it, and look, we all know if you want to go find a cornerback and give him three million dollars for one year to play to start for you that's fine like there are plenty of guys you can get to do that i'm not saying that it's you that, that fuller should be replaced by somebody like that but you have there's so many guys you can get to just plug in so i i i think that there is i'm not saying there's a legitimate chance that this is happening but i think if they're looking at at anybody who can bring in draft assets i think kyle fuller makes the most sense i agree with that um, I think one interesting thing that we go, got to go back to is when the Packers signed him to that offer sheet back when the transition tag was put on him, the offer that was put out, so the Bears had to match essentially the contract that the Packers created. And it was such an interesting thing because I think the Packers probably were willing to put in a little extra in there knowing that the Bears most likely were not going to let this cornerback go to their division rival and the contract was backloaded and at that point in time it was still relatively early in Ryan Pace's time as the general manager they were not backloading contract in fact they were they were kind of front loading them so that they can get out of them they still kind of do that for the most part so this was always a contract that they knew was going to be have higher cap charge later and they kind of kicked the can down the road a little bit last year with those dumbing years you talked about. But it's still sort of an issue here that they, they got to figure out. Um, one thing I mentioned in my 10 Bears things a week ago in trading Kyle Fuller, and by the way, he's been worth every penny, I think that was in that that offer sheet, but he's still not a lockdown press man corner uh Trading him would free up $11 million in cap space, and the team acquiring him would still be getting a good 29-year-old starting cornerback for $13.5 million in 2021, which that's the thing. The team that acquires him is not does not have the same cap charge as what the Bears would have by keeping him. That's the important thing. That's why he's tradable. And $13.5 million for Kyle Fuller next year, I think, is a fair contract if you're trying to acquire him. So what would the trade compensation be? 
you're always sort of guessing at this point, right? But I brought up last year's trade for Darius Slay because Slay was a comparable contract, similar age. I think Kyle Fuller's probably a better player. Um, but Darius Slay got a uh, the Lions got a third and fifth round pick for him. I don't like creating holes on rosters. So everything we just said, I, I, the only reason I would 100% go down this road to trading him is if you needed that cap space for a certain position of immense importance on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah. You know what just I'm saying? Like quarterback, end. and then maybe to pay a receiver. Just just, just a thought. Like, so well, let me bring that up again. So let's say if the Bears could get Hypothetically, let's just keep the compensation the same. I think it could maybe be slightly higher, but let's say a third and a fifth round pick, and you're freeing up cap space to improve the offensive side of the ball. Is that worth it for Kyle Fuller? At that point, is you're addressing quarterback, like like either that's Watson or somebody has been acquired, like a with a contract, like a Stafford or uh, a Matt Ryan. That's what we're talking about. Like that's. This is the, that's the hypothetical that's on the table. Because <laughs> remember, if you're giving up all these first-round picks, you're going to need some. Okay, of, okay, like, for the Watson thing, yes. That, but, if we're talking Watson, we traded for Deshaun Watson, knowing we, had that, we have that contract coming back, we're giving up picks, then yes, I would part with Kyle Fuller to get some picks back and free up that cap space. Done. Yeah. Ted, Ted Phillips proves. You know, I, I think, <laughs> the, the, again, this is all very much in – Flux because of the defensive coordinator position. We know how much the Bears love Kyle Fuller. I mean, Matt Nagy's got a good relationship with him. You know, we, like the guy we we hear about how nobody watches more film than Kyle Fuller does. You know, the only people in town that I think Kyle Fuller doesn't have a great relationship with would be the reporters because he doesn't really like to talk to us, which is fine. Um, but the, like, he is very, very well respected in that building, um, and. So it would be, you know, it would be tough to to make that decision. The thing also we got to remember is, from a cash perspective, they're going to be paying him whatever he's due this year in cash, regardless. So like, there's no way in my mind he spends 2021 on the Bears on his current contract. Like that's just untenable that cap number. But any new deal you give him, you have to find a way to give him money up front that would match what he was going to make at least. So from a cash perspective, they're going to pay him. A lot of money if they're going to keep them, and that's something that you know. Are they? Do they want to do that? Are they willing to do that with all the other things going on? It might not affect the cap much to give them a new deal, but from a cash flow perspective, you know that that could that could factor in as well. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs is the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. Because when you're looking for a job, Hogan Johns fans, you want the best experience possible. No questions left to answer and sketchy websites to navigate around. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. And over 2.5 million small businesses use LinkedIn for hiring. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Adam. That's linkedin.com slash Adam to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, so we address Kyle Fuller. The next guy I want to talk about is Akeem Hicks because there's also an opportunity to free up cap space here. However, the big difference if you go from, um, and Kevin, I'll let you address, I guess, what the cap savings would be, but the big difference in terms of how they graded out on my side of things, well, Akeem Hicks was almost a blue chip player again he was just under that is still playing like a long-term starter even at his age so he's he's a little bit older uh, a couple years older he's 31 years old but 
and he's playing at a at a higher level, at least in my opinion, than Kyle Fuller. So that makes him harder to replace, in my opinion. However, there's a couple interesting things here, and one is that also showing up on my list of long-term starters when you're talking about contract extensions is Bilal Nichols, and you're getting Eddie Goldman back. So this is where I think this could actually be on the table this offseason. I mean, smart teams... You draft, right? And then you use those younger players. They move up. You, you pay them. And it's kind of a constant cycle as long as you're drafting right. So I think it would be as tough as it would be to replace Akeem Hicks. And it's certainly not a given that Bilal Nichols is going to become Akeem Hicks. But he's only 24. When Hicks was 24, he was in New Orleans struggling to fit in. And got better and better and better throughout his career. However, also part of this, in my opinion, going back to the beginning of the podcast, is Jay Rogers. Is Bilal Nichols going to keep getting better and better and better if Jay Rogers isn't around? I think that's also a fair thing to point out. So anyway, let's go to the uh, capologist and figure out the money here, I guess. yeah. So if you looked at, if you just covered up every player and just looked at dead money, which dead money, it's very confusing, but essentially just assume the team has to account for the dead money if he's cut. He only counts as one and a half million of dead money. That is far and away the um, the most you know financially helpful move you can make. Now you you take the you now you figure out who it is. It's Akeem Hicks. And as and Hoagie just kind of laid out the decisions there. You know, obviously if they don't want to keep him on that deal, there's an option to Sign him to a new deal. We have one of those a projected contract form as well. Do you want to pay that much money to a guy his age at his position with when you have the other guys there, when you know you're going to be paying Bilal Nichols soon is a question. The other thing, though, is he's not going to get what Kyle Fuller would get in a trade. You know, so that you'd have to try. You'd want to find something for him if you're not going to keep him. But he's not bringing in a third and a fifth round pick if we're going to use that Darius Slay example. Uh, and, and look, we all saw what happened when Nikeem Hicks was out of the game, and that that's just something you know for for them to consider if they want to be uh, in terms of how competitive they want to be next year. My advice as team president would be: Yes, we have Eddie Goldman coming back, but he sat out a full year. I have no problem with him sitting out, but this off season already looks like it could be different again. It could be virtual again. What are we doing? Um, we think he's a good player, but it's still better to have depth. It's still better to have answers just in case Eddie Goldman needs some time to get back up to speed. I like Bilal Nichols. I think he's an emerging player. Um, I like the idea of rebuilding from within, which is what an extension for Nichols would be. But at the same time, there's intangibles that you have to consider with an Akeem Hicks. He is different than Nichols and Goldman in that respect. He is one of your team leaders. He is one of your captains. His voice carries significant weight in that locker room. So how much change is actually beneficial here? Could probably be a deterrent. So if I'm advising Ryan Pace, Matt Nagy, and the new defensive coordinator, I would suggest an extension that lowers the cap hit for 2021. But does that extension put you on the money for more in the future? I don't think it has to be outrageous. Okay. I, th- I, th- I think Akeem Hicks is hes a professional. He should know. Go ahead, yeah, I was gonna capologist. Say the, the, the projected contract that Brad uh, gave us was a three-year, $40 million contract with $18.4 million guaranteed. That's the number you kind of care about. And, and my guess is that if they were to do something like this, this would be kind of one of those where after two years you can get out. You know that would be the smart way to structure it. You send it, it would it would be a three year extension, but really, you know how these contracts were. Really, it's a two year deal is the hope because again, you've seen what Akeem Hicks is doing. He's not slowing up. Remember, Matt Nagy told us you know about how he came to camp in the best shape of his career this past summer, and that was without a normal off season. Um, so you know, I, I I think it's a very it's a very viable option to want to keep somebody like that. It's interesting though, guys, that you have two players. You know, Kyle Fuller has been with this team since 2014, 
has been very good. And you have Akeem Hicks, who's been here since 2016, is kind of, you know, he's one of the more popular players in the team. I mean, this is major decisions. And this is where you struggle when you have a franchise that's kind of in the middle that wants to still be competitive, but also needs some resources to do so. Yeah. I mean, see, the thing is, is I'm looking at this projected contract that's in your in your piece and it's really cool looking at this stuff but i mean i'm seeing a even if you let go of them after 2022 i'm still seeing a five million dollar cap charge that's counting against you in 2023 to do that which is which is more dead money than he's owed right now by a significant amount and that's two years later so i think that's where things get risky and if we're going to go back to my grades you know, two years ago he was a he was in the blue chip category. Last year he was hurt, so it's really hard to put on that. But he was pretty much in the same range he was this year. This year still played at an incredibly high level. However, if you break it down to from the Vikings game on, he played more at a starter level, not a long term starter level. How much of that was the injury? Probably a lot. But is he going to continue to be injured going forward because of his age? These are all things you have to consider, and it makes it kind of tough. And typic, I, I guess where I come down on it is if you can get something back in return in a trade, I think it's smart to do that. If you're letting them go for nothing right now, I, I can get on board with the idea of some type of contract extension. Let me ask you this, and I know this is not the perfect way to phrase it, but would, would Bill Belichick, if this was the Patriots... Don't you think they wouldn't even think twice they would try to trade Akeem Hicks right now? Yeah, I mean, because he definitely subscribes to the theory, and I usually agree with it too. It's better to get, it's better to lose a player a year early than still have him a year too late. Yeah, and, and I mean, I think I, I think the Brian Pace and Joey Lane probably don't get enough credit for you. Know, I know people lambast their contracts a lot, but they generally cut guys when it's time to cut guys. Like you go every year, you know, this year we're going to see it with whoever they decide to cut this year. You know, Bobby Massey, Jimmy Graham are kind of on that list. You got last year, Taylor Gabriel, Prince, and Kamara. Neither of them played in the league this past year. Um, you go back to all those guys he signed in 2017. They all got cut the next year. You know, so they haven't, they've done a good job with these contracts and they found a way to avoid doing that. That's why I think that the Hicks and Fuller situations is one of the more challenging ones that they've faced uh, since they've taken over. All right, who else do we need to look at here? Who's interesting? I mean, Quinn, there's not much you can do there. I, I should note with Khalil Mack, and I'm only noting this because people bring it up a lot. Um, his contract is actually pretty tradable. Um, you know, it would act, his cap charge would be $5 million less than it is right now. So you could, you could, chalk that up as five million dollars in cap savings if you want um, to look at it that way um, and the way the guaranteed money works it's not like the bears have to pay him any extra cash if he gets traded um, so it, it is it's actually more tradable i believe than robert quinn's um, the, the reason why it's really tradable is because the the team that gets it has an even better contract because they don't have the dead money on it exactly and and they're paying him less. They're paying him less, and but all of these. But again, don't trade your best player. <laughs> and what if you get Deshaun Watson though? Um, or this goes back to my dad. That's why I put him in my Dak Prescott trade. Well, idea. we did have somebody on Twitter going back and forth, and I think he shouted you guys out yesterday. He doesn't even follow me. Um, was he the one that put Bernie Sanders in the picture of us sitting with Ryan Pace? And <laughs> that was funny. Matt Nagy. Who know. did that? Who is responsible for that? That was pretty good. That People were fun. texting me that. Um, anyways, the, the the trade proposal he had had Robert Quinn going to the Texans, and I just couldn't figure out why. In any like nobody's trading for Robert Quinn. No. Yeah. So let's let's <laughs> get that. Let, no one's trading for Robert Quinn, and the Bears aren't cutting Robert Quinn. So like everybody just needs to get past that. If they do, okay. you can cold takes expose me, but you know. Okay, let's do this then before we wrap up. Let's talk about the offensive line. Charles Leno Jr., 29 years old with an $11.3 million cap hit. Cody Whitehair's 28, $9.6 million cap hit. And Bobby Massey, 31 now, $9.3 million cap hit. 
Whitehair ended up in the starters category for me, but yeah, sort of right in the middle of it. However, he played, once he moved back to guard, he played in the long-term starter category. So he played, in my opinion, once he moved back to guard, was totally worth the money the Bears are paying it, paying him. Uh, and as I try to scroll down here, since there's so many players, you kind of lose track of them. Charles Leno Jr. was more in the fringe starter category. However, his rating in the final eight games was also in that long-term static starter category too, which probably might surprise some people. Bottom line is, once they figure out the offensive line, everybody's grades went up because everybody played better. Anyway, what do they do about the offensive line, Kevin? So I'm of the belief that you cannot cut both your tackles. Like you just don't have the draft capital. You don't have the cap space to start over a tackle. And I, I'm not going to say like, you also can't assume that Alex Bars is going to take over at tackle. Like you just can't, I don't think you can do that. So I think you have to keep one of them. To me, it's a no brainer that Leno's that guy that you keep. He's younger. He's way more durable. It's one of the, one of the NFL's iron men at his position. Mm-hmm. I, I thought he played okay this year. I thought he was better than 2019. And, you know, I, I think there are ways you can make it work with him over there. Um, and, I, and I do think even if you keep him and you bring in an early draft pick and you, you could challenge him. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying you should be starting day one. I think you, you bring in competition. But I do think that you got to keep one of those guys. He makes the most sense. Um, interesting thing about Cody White here, though, guys, that I, I realized while putting this together. There's something called a post-June 1st uh, designation. Yeah. So when you cut a guy, you can make him pre-June 1st, post-June 1st, without getting into too many of the particulars. Cody Whitehair's contract right now looks uncuttable, untradeable. However, if he's a post-June 1st cut, I'm not saying they should cut him. I'm just throwing this out there for you guys to consider as we're talking about the offensive line in the future. You actually create $6 million of cap space. It doesn't count much against your dead cap. Again, it's just interesting to me that that's the way his contract shapes out. And a lot of times those post-June 1st cuts take place later in the spring. Trey Burton was mid-April last year when the Bears already kind of, they had Jimmy Graham. At that point, they were probably clearly planning to take Cole Komet or thinking about it. So they felt comfortable and they made him post-June 1st. Again, I don't know whatever what they're going to do free agency, what their evaluations are of, of Mustafer and James Daniels and Alex Bars. But it's just something to you know put in your noodle there. Just 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 take a little take a little thought uh, on that. I'm not saying my, they should my do noodle? it. Noodle, put in, in your noodle. In your noodle, noodle it around. What's uh, the the president doesn't approve of such message? <laughs> Sorry, but uh, <laughs> stick to sports there, John C. Uh, so again, so my long rambling thing. I keep Leno. I think you cut Massey, and I think the white hair thing is just something to think about. Put in your just put in your noodle. It's a noodle. It's put in your noodle. Um, discussion topic. I would keep Charles Leno Jr. Um, left tackles don't grow on trees. Like, who are you replacing with, and how much are you paying that guy? In terms of what his cap hit is, what his salary is, all that, he is still a viable option. Probably a guy who still takes too much heat from from Bears fans as well. Was he great this season? No. Was he awful this season? No. As, as Adam's grades illustrate, somewhere in the middle, once you figured out that offensive line to put him next to Cody Whitehair. He was pretty good. He was pretty good, yeah. I, I would keep him. I think it's a foregone conclusion that Bobby Massey's out here. Like, it's just durability. You need the cap room. Jermaine Effetti actually wasn't that bad at right tackle. Probably cheaper if you want to do that as a, as a backup option. Maybe draft the guy high in the first or second round as well. That's what I would do. Uh, really quick, I want to point out, too, that right now, Charles Leno's contract is 14th among left tackles, and I would imagine there's going to be some more deals done and, and free agent contracts done. He, so essentially, he's probably going to be around average to below average when it comes to how much money they're spending. So it's not really like when you compare it to the rest of the left tackles, you, you're getting a bargain with him right now. This is exactly why we're doing this. This is great. I like this. You know, we're taking the how he's playing versus the money and where he compares because that's what these general managers do. That's what this constant offseason game is all about. And I think bringing up Cody Whitehair, I never even thought about the idea of cutting Cody Whitehair. But 
it is an interesting point that if you, I don't know, you you sign somebody cheap, you draft, so end up drafting somebody relatively high, all of a sudden you might have an abundance of interior offensive linemen. And maybe if we're in a- late April, May, you're looking at a June 1 cut and you're still trying to find a way to get under the cap because you traded for Deshaun Watson. Yeah, as I said, I, I I stumbled upon it accidentally. I wasn't I didn't know yeah. about that as I was flipping through the post June one numbers. Um, I'd say just, that's very unlikely to happen, but right. like you said, noodle it. Just put it put it there in the noodle. <laughs> wow, what an expression we created! All right, or Kevin created. I'm not put, taking any credit for that. Anything else we should touch on here? I mean, there's plenty of time to continue to go through this stuff, but you want to pick the games quickly? Oh yeah, I totally forgot. There's football this weekend. Wow. Okay. Um, You're in the off season again. John Fox would correct you and say, Adam, the football season is still going. Yes, not for the Bears though. Again, Fox. Speaking of Fox, the uh, network. Two o five on Sunday. Bucks at Pack. First of all, I'm really excited about both these games. Bucks at Packers. Both of these lines are three, by the way. Who you guys got in this game? Go ahead, Kev. Packers. Oh, like what? I mean, come on. Think like I'm not. I'm not going. The Buccaneers kind of took it to him earlier this year, did they not? Listen, I'm not. I understand that. I'm not going against Aaron Rodgers in a revenge situation at home with a chance to go to the Super Bowl. I can't. I'm not doing that. Although I will say this: if the Buccaneers win the Super Bowl, you can guarantee I'm going to tweet out that the Bears beat the Super Bowl champs. Yeah, I'm going to have a lot of fun with that on on the Twitter sphere. So I just, you know, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just saying. Um, Packers. I'm with you. Yeah, I'm with the Packers. They're hot right now. You know, if the Bucks get a pick six, how many turnovers were there by the Saints last week? Three? Four? Drew Brees wasn't good. Aaron Rodgers is going to play way better than Drew Brees did last week. Uh, you got the cold weather factor. Tampa Bay going to Green Bay. Old NFC. I don't think that's going to affect Tom Brady, though. Well, maybe not, but. Others. Others. Yeah. I don't know, man. Brady is an old, retired Florida man now. He's changed. Not really. I got the Packers, and I think they cover, too. And uh, Carlos Santos. We should have broke down his contract. He doesn't have one. They got to resign him. They better. CBS 540. Bills at Chiefs. The two young quarterbacks in this game. Chiefs are only a three-point favorite. Sounds like Patrick Mahomes is going to play. If you're following all the reports on Twitter, yeah, he's, he's he, yeah he's playing. Um, I just I want to pick the Bills though. I just want to pick the Bills. I, I I've been on their bandwagon for a while. Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, like what they got going. I think the Chiefs are going to win, but I'm picking the Bills. I want Packers, Bills, Super Bowl. That's it. Yeah, sure. I'll take the Bills. I mean, it's it's from a like a rooting perspective. It's very hard to be rooting against Patrick Mahomes because he just does things that nobody else can do. Um, but the the Bills have been a great story. Their defense has been playing a lot better, and the the Chiefs have had a lot of close games this year. They've had a ton of close games. Um, and you know, look, I, Josh. I, I I said this on the podcast last week. I eat my words about Josh Allen. I, I did not think this was going to happen, and he's been outstanding and credit to Brian Dayball and I'll say this too guys Stefan Diggs is that like one of the best NFL trades in terms of like win-win that, yeah. that we can think of in recent history I mean he's been unbelievable and I think Minnesota's perfectly happy to have that draft pick and to have moved on yeah they got Justin Jefferson yeah um but the Bears have Darnell Mooney they do they could build around him. I gotta be careful because I don't want I don't want Darnell Mooney to think I'm mocking him because I think he is really good. I know I said that earlier, but I just again I think Darnell Mooney is very good. Darnell Mooney, by the way, ended up in the uh, starter tier as a rookie, which is pretty good. 
I, I saw you. Yeah, Ted Ginn Jr. is uh, one of your guys with the negative, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. The guy who's Negative been, guys are the ones you have to replace, so they replaced him. Yeah, it's, the guy hasn't been on the team for three months, and you still had to you know, throw shots at him. It's not a shot. It's how he played. Play better. By the way, I think Rashad Coward, the second half of that Panthers game, played really well. Just go, okay. go back and watch the tape. I'll... I'll you know what? I'll spend I'll spend the rest of today reevaluating Rashad. Just, just watch the second half of the Panthers game. That's all. Okay. Thought he played well. Uh, here's the thing about the Chiefs playing all these close games. They win them all. It's a fair point. They win all of them. They lost the one game to the Raiders that felt like four months ago at this point. Uh, I think it's going to be a great game. I can't wait to watch it. I think the Bills give them a scare. I just think the Chiefs, their experience... Um, this is where the road ends for the Bills. What a great story, though, if the Bills end up making the Super Bowl. I like the underdog aspect of them. Absolutely. That's why I'm on the bandwagon, driving. driving. And, and, and at this point, doubting Josh Allen seems silly because he keeps answering the bell every single week. It's been it's been a great story, um, and that's one of the reasons why this game should be extremely fun on Sunday evening. But when it comes down to it, the Chiefs is just they just find a way to do it. Even last week when they lost Mahomes at the end of the game, I don't know how you guys felt. I didn't really feel like I wasn't that worried they weren't going to win, even with Chad Henney out there. So, um, and what a call by Andy Reid at the end of that game, and the execution was there because they have the players to execute in those moments. And I don't think Sunday will be any different near the end. All right, good pod. I'm sure we're coming back to a lot of this stuff as the offseason rolls on. I think it's going to be a very fluid, unpredictable offseason. A lot of ebbs and flows. Yeah, there we go. It's going to be fun. There you go. <laughs> there you There you go. That's... There you go. Robert, what kind of dog do you have? I have a Rottweiler. There you go. All right, follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, at Adam Johns, at Kay Fishbane. Thank you, Kev. Great stuff today. Really appreciate the, the time. You can go run back to your family and child that you have to take care of. All right. We love you. And uh, read those guys at The Athletic. Theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns. If you're not subscribed, you should be. Go check out Kevin's cap piece, and then my uh, my grades for the season are up at NBCSportsChicago.com. John Z, any final thoughts? Go Bills. What was it like being Ted Phillips for 20 minutes? Powerful. <laughs> you probably felt like you had a lot of job security, didn't you? I did. It felt safe. Yeah. It felt safe. Safe. Good to feel safe. Didn't mean to meddle. Just for my opinion. No, we did. We did. Okay, um... I don't know where I am at. I'm at this spiel, but we will talk to you. See ya. Y'all stay corona free, all right? And God bless.